Listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Mental Health Monday. We'll check in with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman in here in just a moment. Thanks to Concordia University Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live uncommon. It is time to check in with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman for Mental Health Monday as we continue our conversation in finding hope from brokenness to restoration. Good morning, Heidi. Good morning. Happy Monday. Happy Monday and welcome to April. Yes, it's April. <laughs> My soul has been waiting for for April, I feel like, for about five months. So I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Almost Yay. Easter, too. I mean, oh, so, so many good things on the horizon here. <laughs> yes. We are moving forward in finding hope from brokenness to restoration. The next chapter, Messes in Creation, a Broken World. So we're going to talk about brokenness today. I know we've talked about brokenness throughout, you know, each chapter, but today, what is brokenness? We'll get to some definitions in just a little bit, but what is brokenness? Sure. You know, we are talking about the this broadest idea of brokenness, especially in this chapter, that it's just the world, <laughs> that the world, <laughs> the universe, you know, around us is broken. And so I, when I sat down and thought about brokenness in particular, metaphor came to me from creation. And my in-laws live on Lake Huron, which is the east side of Michigan, and lots of beautiful rocky beaches over there, crisp, cool lakes. And so we like to go kayaking. And and so before I lived on Lake Michigan, we kayaked primarily there at their place on Lake Huron. And so I would love to go by myself. And, you know, my husband or my kids, like a lot of times want to come with me and that's awesome. And we enjoy that together. But there's a really special, unique thing about paddling out there by yourself and sitting in that in that water. But I want to read this little part of the book and I'm going to skip a little bit of something in between in order to share this metaphor with you. But I think it'll be a visual that's helpful for the listener in brokenness. If you paddle If you paddle out past the docks to where the city park is just a blur, it's like another world, just you, the water, and God. I like to set my paddle across my legs and meet with him there to ponder all the things around me that he created. I like to ask him the questions that have been stored up in my chest for far too long. The words of Psalm 121 come easily to mind during these times, some verses sticking better than others in my memory. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord." Every time I take my kayak out on those glass water mornings, I sit a moment longer and dread putting my paddle back into the water of Lake Huron. With no one else and nothing else around to disturb the water, it is only my paddle that breaks the quiet, my fault that the peace is broken. When I watch my paddle enter the perfect water, I feel like I'm breaking something beautiful. But I also don't know how to stop it. I need to get back to the house and take care of my children. I need to clean up our breakfast messes and continue with our plans for the day. I shatter the glass water and it reminds me of life's imperfection. There is a weight to that imperfection. We can sense it, we can see it, but we very often don't know what to call it. We look around us at the world and feel so very helpless. Sometimes we can own that shattering. We clearly see our broken actions, our part in the brokenness, the hurts we have caused. We can name our sin and confess it. There we find healing in Christ. Other times, we call out someone else's and their paddle. 
When other people's sin creates waves of unrest and destruction in our lives, it's important to call it by name. Healing comes here through Christ in forgiveness and sometimes also in new boundaries. What is harder to understand are the murky things of brokenness, the rippling in the water everywhere when we can't see the paddles causing it. And I'll stop there. It's a long passage, but I think the visual is really helpful where you're sitting somewhere so peacefully. And I think this is, you know, this is really true to what brokenness feels like. And then, you know, you disrupt it and you just don't want to disrupt it. And I think we're going through our life being like, okay, like what's going to disrupt it today? Or like, oh, Lord, please don't disrupt it. (laughs) Right. Like, don't. I just I want to stay in this peace a little bit longer when we get it. But the reality is, is that if it's not our paddle, it'll be someone else's paddle. And if it's not that, it just is. The paddle goes back in the water and things are disrupted. And so brokenness is all those things. And often, unfortunately, one thing that we talked about from the beginning of the book is that we only have language especially in the church, I think sometimes for that paddle that's ours, that it's, you know, my sin. And so we hold those other two as part of our own sin when really this concept of broader brokenness and the brokenness that other people bring into our life and the brokenness that just exists in the world is really helpful for us so that shame isn't so heavy in our life. We can call it by name and still confess those things before God that aren't even ours so that he can lift that shame from us. All right. I love that analogy, by the way. And also now I really want to go sit on on a lake (laughs) and just be for a little while. (laughs) We have one right here. It's right by the highway. Oh, yes. I'm sure nobody nobody would complain. Not a Michigander, that's all. (laughs) Kayaked on the lake in front of the building. So serene. That would be, yeah. Right right by the highway. It'd be (laughs) fine. But talking about naming the brokenness, we get to the definitions now. What what is, what is, what's the name? What is a name? Mm Mm-hmm. Name. And and I think this helps us get to how do we name brokenness, right? How do we call it by name, which is the work that we're doing with this book so that we can see God's hope brighter and clearer. So two definitions, one to give identity and thereby recognition to something or someone. And number two, to specify in order to make something identifiable or known. I think that word recognition is really helpful. That awareness that comes is one thing, right? We, we're aware of the brokenness. And I think before we have words for it, we can feel it in our systems. This is the way our bodies were made so that we could respond to it, so that we could keep ourselves and those we love safe, so that we could turn to God even with that internal, you know, seeking mechanism so we could see God through the hard things of life even. But at the same time, recognizing it then um, means discomfort. Looking it in the face, you know, holding it up to the mirror, any metaphor you want to include here for recognizing something and then calling it by name is step three. So we start with that awareness in our bodies. That's already something that's happening for you. What I want to do in the book is invite the listener and the reader to get to step two, recognize it, which is, I think, the work of the text of the book. You know, reading about family life and and all of its wonderfulness and all of its struggles, reading about friendship, which we uh, covered that I think so often most clearly for many of us leaves challenges in our life. 
as well as good gifts, reading about trauma, reading about just, you know, any many things. I don't know what sticks out to you from the book that helps us recognize brokenness in the last several weeks as we spent time together. That might be a question to answer. But then the last thing is calling it by name. As an individual, you know, you can pick up this book and you'll recognize a lot of brokenness. I invite you to also call it by name in the shape that it appears in your own life. So in my own life, I have brokenness, but it impacts more than me. How does my brokenness then affect? Well, I, the book acts like a concentric circle, right? Concentric circles like put together. So the beginning is that very individualized experience of it. And then the next circle that's bigger around it is our family life. And then the next circle is friendship, body of Christ, church life, community life. And then bigger around that is our world. And I think you could probably craft a bigger one around that. That is the universe and all things outside of anything, what we can see or know, you know, that God holds on to. Um, so I think being able to see those concentric circles as they're mapped out is a helpful visual. There is no way those things are not going to interact. <laughs> I, I think we really like to convince ourselves that like, my own struggle is mine and mine alone, especially in a very individualistic culture that is American culture or Western culture even, but especially American culture, because that's the one I know and live in. And so we like to think that it doesn't impact those around us. But I, th I think that's really unrealistic and certainly not biblical. And so the how of it affects others is a lot of what we cover in the book, you know, um, I think sin and, and trauma uh, are intricately linked, but also two very different things. And so the, those are both heavy weights that we carry around and that we can put before God and that he heals and offers forgiveness and all of that good stuff. I think sometimes we think that God is so far away from those things, but when we call them by name, then we can more easily apply his redemption, his death and resurrection, his hope, his restoration, all that good stuff to them. And then they aren't as weighty. They aren't as heavy. Even though they're still there, there's that hope, especially of restoration that comes again one day that we won't have all this weight and burden. So I may not even have any idea how my brokenness impacts others. I mean, I can see, you know, many ways that it impacts me, mm -hmm. but I, since you pointed out all those, those concentric circles, I may not see the, the reach of that brokenness and how it impacts others, mm -hmm. how my brokenness, and, and I agree with you wholeheartedly that our culture is very much so an individualistic culture. And we mm -hmm. think that if we're doing something um, that is hurtful or wrong or however we want to categorize it that that's in that, that category of brokenness we just assume that it only hurts me but not anybody else and that i have the control over mm -hmm. it but what a yeah well, and what a crazy self-centered world I right right i think the <laughs> idea too we're challenged to even see this which is wild but it's true like we're even challenged to see this with our most intimate relationships, right? Even though we clearly impact our spouse and they impact us, or we clearly impact our children in various ways and they as they impact us. But um, I think because that is so challenging, then it's going to be hard for us to see it in the wider concentric circles that we do. In fact, our time here leaves an imprint 
both good and also can leave brokenness wherever we travel in the world um, with our ideas and our thoughts and, you know, behaviors, whatever, you name it. Because that is true, though, it's called finding hope for a reason, then hope is also impacted across those circles. I have no idea what hope I'm bringing to someone sometimes across the world in ways that God works that are wild and wonderful. And so I think holding both those things together is important. Our brokenness deeply impacts other people. We see this more clearly, I think, with our relationship to technology now than we did one day before, even though I think it was still happening, but technology makes it more evident. And it, I think that's one reason technology so often gets the rap for brokenness. Like, you know, we're like, oh, well, the internet, like it, it's just destroying us all. And and while it is challenging in many ways, I don't know that it's responsible for our brokenness or holding the weight of all of our brokenness. And so just being understand that we, we, I think, see brokenness impact in these wide circles in technicolor because we're, we live so connected now with the internet. That was deep. <laughs> I'm just thinking like, I know, like Tower of Babel people, like yeah, <laughs> nothing has changed. <laughs> nothing new under the sun. <laughs> we are talking about messes in creation of broken world. We're uh, looking at finding hope from brokenness to restoration with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman here on Mental Health Monday on the Coffee Hour. We have more to share. We'll do that in just a moment. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Gulta. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Mental Health Monday. We're looking at finding hope from brokenness to restoration with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. We're in the chapter called Messes in Creation, a Broken World. So we've talked about brokenness and naming it and how my brokenness impacts others or affects others, oftentimes in ways I have yet to comprehend. So then how does the devil use brokenness? <laughs> how does, yeah, how does the devil use brokenness? Mm, I mean, you know, it's so interesting because like I've read lots of books about like the devil having different tools and like, you know, I I think honestly, <laughs> as a, a biblical researcher and as someone who works in the therapy field as well, I feel like the devil has one word that he uses and he uses it in many different ways. And that is shame. I think this is biblical because of Genesis, right? 2.25, the man and wife were naked and unashamed. And then what comes next, right? With the fall into sin and that awareness of of all of the brokenness uh, that we covered in the very beginning of the book, shame is right there. And in Christ, we don't have to live in it. I love in Hebrews that it talks about, you know, Jesus went to the cross despising its shame. You know, I think of Jesus in that face toward the devil, just despising 
the shame that he tries to use to topple God's plans for salvation in Jesus Christ and also to topple our individual lives. You know, shame is really centric to this. I write on page 146, if we are broken people and I'm broken, our only understandings of this concept we call brokenness and the state of the world we see around us, the shame is overwhelming. This this shame is the devil's shovel as he tries to bury us in a pit of brokenness. Just as we cannot dig ourselves or our neighbors out of our sin-filled pits, we can't dig the world out of its pit of brokenness either. You know, I think that that is that picture that I see of the devil just wants to heap on the shame. And the more shame he can heap on, then he feels like he is like burying us in his power. But guess what? He doesn't even have it. It's all false. It's like a Star Trek mirage, if you will, of, you know, some creature behind the the big cave wall and it's really just like somebody built a computer or something like that the devil is uh not powerful god is all powerful and by naming that brokenness i think we just like snatch it out of his hands and are like no like you you don't get to be a part of this story jesus has claimed this story my story your story all of our collective stories as humanity and christ is the one who gets to have the control of that and who comes in and, and brings redemption and, and resurrection and restoration hope. And so, yeah, I think that is the devil's main tool or the actually, I believe it's the only tool. It just comes in many different forms. And so I don't, I think that answers the question. Do you guys have any thoughts on that as I say it? Because I think that is a kind of a big concept. Yeah, talking about this and naming brokenness reminds me of that Luther quote about when the devil throws your sin in your face and declares that you deserve death and hell. I tell him, I admit that I deserve death and hell, what of it, for I know the one who suffered and made satisfaction on my behalf. His name is Jesus Christ, Son of God, and where he is, there I shall be also. And I love that quote. Mm, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it's like Jesus is like, he's he's already stolen the shovel like the shovel doesn't even exist right like that idea that he despises the shame that he doesn't want it as part of our life and that he covers us you know i i just always love returning back to genesis where uh we try to cover ourselves with fig leaves like to hide our shame and that is absolutely us not calling brokenness by name that is us like hiding and turtling ourselves in right and god's answer is to stitch us some clothes to make a sacrifice that is the lamb of god in order to cover all of that and that includes not only our own sin but the sin other people's bring other people's other people bring into our lives and also that bigger idea of brokenness and all the shame that goes along with it so we stand before him and and like luther said like what of it what of it you know we stand with jesus Mm -hmm. What are some of the ways that the devil tries to use this brokenness to separate us so, from hope? Right. So many kinds of brokenness. Like, so originally when I had the idea for this book, and I even write this in this section of the book, it's like when I first wrote this, I just wanted to name all the kinds of brokenness and give you responses for each one so that you could just hear hope over whatever kind of brokenness you're experiencing. And the reality was there is not enough pages or books in the world, right, to cover those things. And so I have a small list. And it is a small list. It's not, it's 
very non-exhaustive, if you will, on page 148 and 149. And I'm just going to give you this little list and I'd be curious what you might add to your, but know as I read this, that God sees all of these things and that he um, despises the shame of these things in our life. And he has covered us with his hope and his forgiveness in these things. All right, here we go. Death and the sense of loss and grief that go with it. Trauma, big, little, medium, invisible, individual, collective. Suicide and the holes it leaves behind. Heartbreak, romantic, friendship, family, or global. Mental illness and mental health struggles. Mental health stigma. Sexual and gender identity struggles. War and rumors of war. Natural disasters, fear, destruction, loss, and the aftermath. Abortion. Abuse and neglect, children, elderly, and every age in between. Racism, trying to make it out of junior high and high school with some sense of identity and purpose. Wanting children, wanting more children. Wondering if our children still love us. The angst that comes with change, even if it grows us. Pressure to succeed, whatever success means. Lack, I'm not enough, we don't have enough, nothing will ever be enough. Betrayal and broken trust in marriage and friendship and vocation in the church, physical illness, loneliness, and questions of worth. So those are the ones I came up with. And like I said, like I wanted to write a chapter on all those things and then more things, and it just wasn't going to happen. So I wonder what kind of things come to mind when you guys think of other kinds of brokenness in the world. I'm thinking you'd still be writing the book if you were covering <laughs> yeah. all those chapters. No race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, CPH was like, no, uh, we're going to give you 200 pages, Heidi. You're going to need to wrap <laughs> Zero in. <laughs> uh, well, being enough, you list that too, but sometimes we want to do it all. Uh-huh. Yep. That's the, <laughs> <laughs> there, there are joys in being a multi-potentialite and there are dangers in being a multi-potentialite yes. because we, we just want to do it all as multi-potentialites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or decide. I think right. sometimes the pressure to do it all. I mean, sometimes it's internal, yeah. right? Like that's, the, I think the three of us have made that very clear on Mental Health Monday, our internal pressure <laughs> to want to do it all. And also like then there's our many vocations and how they overlap, right? And there's that external pressure to just try to do it all. And we'll, we crumble under the weight at times. Mm-hmm. It would be so helpful if I could do this. It would help X, Y, you know, mm-hmm. this person and this person, this person, if I could do this. Yep. I did this. Yeah. I mean, I think yep. that's one example of how God how the devil can even like use service, right? As brokenness, like that I, you know, I'm not the savior of the world, but sometimes me and I feel like I should be. And so I think that, yeah, he, lots of twisting, lots of twisting. And so I think when we understand that brokenness is so far outside of our control, I hope is one thing this book gives people. That list is not meant to be overwhelming. It's meant to show that this is not something we can control. Um, or, you know, put into a little box so that we don't have to deal with it. Instead, naming it, calling these things by name, knowing that your individual brand of it has a name and that Christ certainly has conquered those things too, you know, that he stands with us. And then what can happen when we name brokenness? Hope. Hope is right there. You know, I it, it is it is a wild thing, I think, that God does, that we think so much as humans that if I name it, then it's destruction is on its way. 
right? Like, I think that's our internal system says, like, if I name it, then the bad stuff is going to happen. Whereas God just turns that on its head and says, you name it, you name it, I'll name it with you. And there's hope. And so, so often, I think that's actually, is that an N.T. Wright book, maybe? Surprised by Hope or Tim Keller? Somebody wrote this book. And I love that title. I don't actually know anything about the book. But I love the concept that we're surprised by it. And I think that is really true. That's how hope works, that it's right around the corner. And God works in in ways outside of our understanding to bring that when we name it. He'll bring it no matter what. Don't get me wrong. It's not like dependent on us to get to hope. But at the same time, I think that naming it is certainly, and I think this is wrapped up in the idea of confession, right? Both broad and narrow, Mm -hmm. that when we name things, God brings his forgiveness in, in the same way we name things, God brings hope Finding Hope from Brokenness to Restoration from Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. Next week, we wrap up this series on Mental Health Monday, and then we'll venture into something something interesting, I'm sure, for Mental yes. Health Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Heidi, thank you so much. Looking forward to, to chatting with you next week as well. Thanks. See you next time. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.